What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode where I caught up with the wonderful, inspiring and hugely talented Naomi Mdudu, marketing expert, international speaker and business coach for creative females who want to make a living doing what they love. A woman with a passion for empowering and helping other women achieve their career dreams, Naomi went from being the first ever fashion editor at a financial publication in London to founding her own company in 2015. Founder and the CEO of the Lifestyle Edit, a toolkit for creative working women, and her podcast of the same name, Naomi has built a community for like-minded women, where she creates career-focused content and a space where women are encouraged to live their life by design, not by default. Before this, Naomi was working in a role that on paper was her dream job. However, she eventually found herself burnt out and working on content she was no longer passionate about. So driven by something deep within, she took a chance on a business idea, taking massive action to turn that idea into reality, leading her to the multi-six-figure business she runs today. Naomi is driven by the belief that community trumps competition and that transformation starts with showing up. And after being able to transform her own life and income through entrepreneurship, it's now her mission to support as many women as possible to do the same. In this wonderful episode, you'll discover the importance of finding something you love doing and working hard at it, the importance of power of community, how surround yourself with like-minded thinkers can push you and keep you accountable, the benefits of sharing experiences and learning from others, common threads that connects all successful women together, the power of mindset and believing in yourself, how you must take action to make changes, simply wanting to make changes isn't enough. And so much more. You are going to love this episode. Hello, Naomi. Thank you so much for joining me today on our Dream Life podcast. I am so excited to talk with you. I think last time I spoke to you, we were in New York and today we're in London. I love how we get to be very international. And I know our listeners are going to love hearing from you as well. I'd like to start this conversation by getting you to think back to your childhood for a moment. This is something I get all my guests to do. So if you could think back, 
what your dreams were for the future when you were a child. What did you dream about being or doing? So I, there was never a question for me that I was going to work in magazines, publishing in some way. So it's so funny because as I was on my way here, I was going past one of our old apartments and I remember I was about 13 years old. I was sitting on the window looking out at the London Eye and I was reading an L magazine and I could pretty much tell you what the features were in that specific issue because I was so in love with the photography and the storytelling in the imagery and these incredible writers. There was just something about publishing magazines that just really inspired me. So yeah, there was never any question for me that I was going to be part of that world. So I spent all of my time, every opportunity that I had off school to do internships at magazines, to assist editors. Yeah, there was never really a question for me. Yeah, fantastic. Love that. And very nice to hear that you are um, kind of living your dream in a, in a kind of a different way. So tell us a little bit about... Um, your story as a brilliant entrepreneur, you're now a hugely successful founder and CEO of the Lifestyle Edit, which is a toolkit for creating working women featuring career-focused content and a community space where women are encouraged to live their life by design, not by default, which is just incredible. But I know your career started out quite different to this. I would love if you could give our listeners a little bit of a background of yourself. Perhaps you can share how you got to where you are today and how you come to be doing the work you're doing now. Yeah. So like I said, I'd always wanted to work in magazines. So I spent all of my time while I was in formal education. So I studied to do a law degree, so completely different, but came from a very academic background. So the idea of me going to do fashion was just not on the cards for me at all. So I did law, but throughout my time, I was assisting, I was having my own freelance clients. So by the time that I graduated, two weeks after graduation, I walked into an editor's role. So I was a fashion editor for a financial newspaper based here in London. And it was just such a great experience a baptism of fire definitely because we were such a tiny team so although my role was fashion editor I was also helping I was sitting on the lifestyle desk so I was helping the team write arts and culture film reviews plays gallery openings yeah so kind of arts and culture lifestyle across the board on top of what I was doing and it was a really exciting time because we just launched a lifestyle supplement so I was doing all of the styling all of the shoots and doing all of that kind of editorial side but also doing a lot of the cover interviews with celebrities and things like that so baptism of fire definitely but such a great experience to learn and I just kind of grew from there and worked in newspapers and my last role was actually in Metro here in London it's just the second largest newspaper in the country and again just such a steep learning curve but I think I fell victim to what I think a lot of people will be able to relate to is I was my first job I got it at 22 so I got my dream job at 22 years oh, old, which is amazing. Mm. But sometimes it's like you, you don't expect that it's going to come so soon. So you're like, okay, I've got it. And now what? And I got to a point years later where I was looking around and there's nobody's job that I wanted. Mm. And I was working really, really hard. And 
lots of things were being compromised in my life at the time. You know, my relationships were not where I wanted them to be. I always wanted people to cancel. So I wasn't the person that was canceling on plans. You know, I was one of the first people to get to the office in the morning, one of the last to leave. So just on the personal front, that just wasn't working for me anymore. That wasn't me living my best life. And then at the same time, one of the things I really loved about my job was that I'd get to spend like a day, half a day with these incredible founders behind these amazing lifestyle businesses. And I was looking around at the landscape at the time and I was like, why are we not hearing these stories? It was very much that I'd come back to the office and I'd have hours upon hours of transcripts and it would be condensed down to they have a new collection coming out next week go and buy it and I remember one of my last interviews at my job was with Tamara Mellon I spent an incredible afternoon with her and she was just such a phantom of knowledge about marketing and scaling a business and I was like, why have I not heard any of these things before? So that really sparked my idea for the lifestyle edit. As a woman who was working in the creative space, I was so frustrated that it was always about the product. And there were so many incredible women working behind the scenes that were not getting showcased and were doing incredible work. Um, so I really wanted to create a space that really celebrated them and really kind of house their stories and not just about telling stories of people that have done really well, but women who were willing to kind of give the 360 perspective of their their careers. So the highs, the lows, the opportunities, the challenges, the sliding doors moments that have kind of contributed to where they've got to. And then the strategies also that have um, helped them get to where they are today. So that's how the lifestyle edit was born. So now our business is multifaceted. We run events, we have coaching programs. I work as a business coach for creative female entrepreneurs. We do retreats, we do masterminds. So it's really about being a business that facilitates creative women to make a living doing what they love. So the content limb is definitely there. We have all of these interviews, we have our own podcast, but we're always thinking about how can that be the, the, the step one and how can we continue to support these women as they're making that transition and as they're going from launching these creative businesses to scaling. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I have to say, I meet so many people in law. Like, I don't know if I'm really? attracting people in law, <laughs> but I meet so many people in law who are studying and coming from an um, academic background and then changing. And it's very, um, it's very interesting that, you know, often people who are studying law do not end up loving it as much as, um, as they might have thought, or sometimes they choose the wrong one, obviously. But Yes, it's interesting. It's funny because I actually really loved my course. So I studied at School of Oriental and African Studies, SOAS, and it's your learning legal systems of Asia and Africa. And I found it amazing. Like if I had had another life, I would love to be like pushing for constitutional change in the continent. I would have like loved to do that. Um, so I, I loved it, but I think that especially just looking from the perspective of my parents, they were living from a generation where a lawyer, a doctor, those sorts of things were represented stability. Mm. And it's so funny, just even in the course of my career, even being a journalist, like when I left my job, people were like, how could you 
like you've worked so hard to get to this point this is stability yeah and now a lot of those people are unemployed yeah because yeah. that now the, that industry is, is in such a precarious situation so it's interesting even in the last 10 years how you know concepts of work and what stability means has just completely changed yeah. now i feel i feel the most stable because i'm the architect of my own life yeah and that is so beautiful because obviously that's what my book is all about your, your dream life starts here because um, we want to encourage people to really live a life that it's true to themselves so it's really inspiring to hear that you are doing that so for our listeners, there'll be a lot of our listeners who wants to start their own business and you are working with business owners daily. Tell us a little bit what is needed to take that leap to go from maybe, you know, have a stable background to actually start their own business. What do you think yes. is needed? So there is so many different moving parts, but I think the first, I think sometimes we overestimate how much is needed. I think it's so important in the beginning to just have an MVP, which is a minimal viable product. Like what is something that you absolutely love doing? And then connecting that to an ideal client that is going to be excited about the idea of investing in that. One of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is they feel like they spend so much time in product development and trying to map out their services and create lots of different things. You can create so much momentum by getting that MVP, testing it in front of your audience, and then iterating as you go along. You don't have to have... I would definitely steer people away of spending so much time building out lots of different products, get that MVP, really know who you're speaking to and speak to their needs. And then be curious, get that feedback and just iterate and build upon that. I think as creators, one of the problems that we do is sometimes we just focus on the products in a vacuum based on what we want. And then we go to market and we realize actually that we're we're not speaking to the needs of the people that we're trying to serve. So I think it's a bit of a marriage of the two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. In the We talked earlier about the change of magazines and, you know, it's very much online. And we, we at Kiki K, we sell to 147 countries now, which yeah. which blows my mind every time I actually say it loud because it's, you know, we don't market to that. So um, it's kind of spread itself through the internet, which is when I started, internet didn't actually exist. Can you believe that? <laughs> that shows my age and, and my kids do not believe that life <laughs> existed before um, internet. But anyway, how do you scale your business globally with you know, more through the internet versus paper print like you were used to in the, in the past for our listeners? It's really interesting because my business is a digital business. So yeah. we were, I was thinking digitally from the time that we went, we started. Yeah. So it's so hard. I'm part of that millennial generation who yeah. just can't imagine running a business in a different way. You know, when we were creating content, I was having to look at our analytics and think where are our audience coming from are the is the women that we're kind of interviewing reflecting the audience that we're that we're connecting with even with the way that we the way that we're creating our content the types of examples that we use the references oh, we had to think internationally from the time that we began so i think it's hard now as a business that has been kind of set especially a millennial run business I can't 
I've we've had to be international from the beginning yeah. so it's hard to think of running it in a different way yeah yeah so what do you think is the key to um to success in terms of getting connected with the global audience I think it's about understanding what's happening on the ground and I think just for I can't speak for all businesses but just with us is that you can see demographic you know where people are tuning in from and I think there's a temptation there to get distracted mm-hmm. and want to be like oh we have a presence in France we have a presence in Germany we've got an audience in Dubai and then you're kind of just chasing your own tail yeah. we saw that our biggest audiences were the UK and the US yeah. and then the moment the US started to supersede the UK i started investing all of my time purely in the US so instead of getting trying to appeal to every single demographic my thing is about going down the list and being like how can we scale that out how can we truly understand that demographic before we're even thinking of moving to the next territory yeah so even now you know our focus is still the US because there's still so much that we need to learn i've been traveling so much around the country and you know what's going on in new york is very different to what's going on in nashville what's going on in nashville is very different to you know the the scene in like houston and austin and yeah. all of those cities in in like texas and you know the west there's is so much going on yeah. so i'm all about how can we be super laser focused have our one thing with a territory before we then go on to the next yeah. and i think that is a recipe for sustainable growth yeah especially when you've got a small lean team yeah absolutely i love that lots of inspiration there I'd love to talk about your podcast now, also called The Lifestyle Edit, where you talk through the triumph, failures and insights from the boundary-pushing creative women who have made their mark. But for listeners who may not have heard about your podcast, can you explain what you what they could expect from it? Yeah, so the podcast is without a shadow of doubt one of the one of my most favorite things that we do content wise so we were already doing these long form interviews on the website but when we shoot everybody that we feature so what would end up happening is you know these conversations would be together for like half a day a day and again hours upon hours of transcripts that we'd have to try and whittle down into a feature and so the podcast has seemed like such a natural step to be able to keep a lot of that material that just wasn't making it into these articles and allow people to get into those conversations so it's a similar format it's long form interviews with amazing creative female entrepreneurs and we kind of shake it up with those interviews the format to some it is about the story because there's something really kind of compelling and that i think that the audience will really be able to resonate with others are more strategic so i'm bringing in an expert and they're almost doing like a mini training on an area that i know that our audience is kind of struggling with and then i also do mini solo shows so that's a more recent thing where again i am kind of narrowing down on one strategy that people can start can listen to and start implementing in their business straight away because mm-hmm. i think it's important to have a mixture of both one of the things that i find really exciting right now is that entrepreneurship is part of the social vernacular everybody's talking about it but i think there is this narrative of just 
go and you know start your own business and everything's going to be amazing and but it requires strategy mm. so I take that responsibility really seriously I want to inspire people but I want to give them the resources to be able to make sensible decisions too yeah that is such, such a good idea and um, no one knows you know I often say it's great to not know what you don't know because I don't know if we can do it if we knew what we had to go through but um, if you do choose something that you are extremely passionate about and something you really want to do it makes it so exciting of course yeah totally yeah, yeah. we're going to link to your podcast of course so people can learn from you so empowering women and helping them achieve their own dreams is clearly a huge passion for you as is building a community for like-minded women. Can you help our listeners to understand the importance of community in helping them achieve their dreams? Oh my God, community is so, so important. It's like, what is it Jim Rohn said? You are the sum of the five people that you spend the yes. most time with. Yeah. And I so am true. such a big believer in that. Yeah. I give a case in point. I've just flown back from Nashville. I was in Nashville in February. And I was in my mastermind group. We do four retreats every year. There are 12 of us in our group. And we start, we kickstarted this group at the tail end of last year. And just already being in a group with like-minded, high-level thinkers has pushed me to raise my game on so many levels. So one, just having that accountability and people that, you know, you never want to be that, that person that's falling behind when everybody else is like going full steam ahead with their dreams. It really pushes you to rise to the occasion. Also, it you have people that will support you. And I think sometimes we we say, you know, you need to get feedback, you know, but I'm a big believer in qualified feedback. Yeah. I want to be taking advice from people who are living this and, you know, that I can look at as examples of the route that I'm trying to kind of take both personally and professionally. And also, yeah, people that are thinking in the same way that you are or are maybe steps ahead. You know, I had a challenging moment recently and we hopped on a call and one of the other women in the group was having a challenging moment and she used that to kick off um, our call. And she said that and immediately after she was like, and these are the breakthroughs that I've got by virtue of going through this challenging moment. So these are the ways I think that we all could be reframing. Mm -hmm. So again, just being around people like that, that it's not a pity party. It's not that life is happening to me. She was already sharing ways that we could use experiences like that to up level in our lives, in our thinking. So when you're around people like that, it brings out the best in you. And I think I just can't recommend it enough yeah so is this a network group that you started yourself or did you join something so i we have masterminds in our business so we have a, a mastermind called thrive and um, but i'm also part of masterminds that i pay to be part of too yeah 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 it's a really good one because i i truly believe in that and for those who are listening sometimes it might be a bit challenging to start with something if you haven't if you have if you don't really know where to start so I actually did my own little mastermind group which is a book group and um, I invited uh, the people that really are inspiring to me friends uh, that love uh, reading personal development books and love business it. books and um, because um, I love reading and 
and I love discussing it, but not all of my friends love personal yeah. development. Some think I'm a complete nutcase, <laughs> which is absolutely fine. We have friends for different reasons. And uh, when I see them once a month, and we all, we all, most of us, well, all of us actually have our own businesses and uh, often global ones, so a lot of people traveling all the time. But it doesn't really matter if just one person turns up, which is very rare if, that, if they do, that just one person turns up, but at least if there's a handful of people, it's just so inspiring. And when they walk out the door, I actually feel I can do anything in life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm talking about paid masterminds. It doesn't need to be that. When I first arrived in New York, I just made a list of who are all of the women in this city that are doing like awesome things that I find really inspiring, whose values there's a synergy with mine. And I just reached out to them and I was just like, hey, I'm new to the city. I love what you're doing. I feel like there's some synergy there. Can we, you know, if you're free at any time, let's grab coffee. And so many of those women who I reached out to then have become amazing friends, mentors. So you can start like that. You know, there's so many people and that are also looking to connect with like-minded people. So reach out to people. Yeah, absolutely. In my book, I have um, 101 people to I meet. I love that. <laughs> and I love that because that could be sometimes, you know, you put people that are, you know, hard to reach, could be actors, could be sports heroes, could be you know, someone in the arts or whatever. But people in your own city that are doing similar things to you, perhaps in a different area, but, you know, starting their own business or blog or writing a book or whatever you are interested in, that is so valuable to go and have a coffee with them. And if you are like-minded, they're very likely to also enjoy it. So it's kind of a, you know, a win-win. So I encourage everyone to start that list with 101 people. Yeah. And it sometimes feels a bit daunting with the 101, but the 101 is once you start looking around, there's so many amazing people. And that's one of my favorite things about having a podcast it's actually connecting with people like you Completely. and people around the world and um, it's just I absolutely love it and I, w I you know I wish I could just do a podcast all the time <laughs> it's beautiful Same. and it was one of my also my one of my uh, things that I found most challenging because this is not my background I'm not a journalist so but it's been really exciting and fun to learn I know you must have met some wonderful, inspiring people through all the work you do and more recently through your podcast. But I'd love to know, out of everyone you have met, who has left the most memorable impression? Oh, that is such a hard question. Well, I'm going on over like 450 interviews at this point. Yeah. There's no one that I, I say that I can think of at the top of my head that in particular. Actually, I'd say one of my first podcast interviews was with a woman called Dina Mohaja. She, many people will know her because she was the founder of Hard Candy, the now company from the 90s. And she's now the founder of Smith & Colt, the now Polish line. I loved her because she started her business from her dorm room in, in university, <laughs> scaled it, long story short, ended up selling it to LVMH, learned loads of lessons from it. And I always go back to her story because it is such a great example of having an idea, not overthinking of it. Don't, not inflating it in your mind of all of this drama as to why you can't do it. Just being young and having an idea and just being like, why the hell not? Yeah. And she, yeah, she was like 18, 19, trying to figure it out, trying to get into, you know, appointments with editors and doing things like that. But 
she figured it out. She mm. figured it out. And as the business scaled, again, figure it out, mm. you know, and learning what got you there is not going to get you to that next stage. I, so I just feel like it's such a great example of having a dream and having an idea and actually taking action yeah. and going through challenges. And, you know, she sold that company and took a step back and reinvented herself and started all over again. Yeah. And I think that's what makes entrepreneurship so exciting, mm. right? So I always go back to her story. I think yeah, there is, I feel like I'm so fortunate with the interviews that we do that I feel like I'm getting an MBA in life, business yes. every single day. And what is really reassuring, having done as many interviews as I have at this point, is that the themes are the same. Mm. It's, you know, feeling fear and doing it anyway. Yeah. You know, keeping your why at the forefront, recognizing that failure is actually a sign that you're showing up yeah. and you're pushing outside of your comfort zones. So it's really reassuring to see that there are these common threads that connects all of these incredible women together yeah yeah I love hearing that one of the things I was doing a workshop here in London yesterday a dream life workshop and um, I was talking to the people who are attending that there's two different discomfort that I see it the way I see it and um, one discomfort is that you have a dream and it feels really uncomfortable to go for it because it's a big dream and you don't know how to do it like most of us when we start we have no idea how to do it and then there's the other discomfort that you don't decide to stay where you are and actually, you know, have the fear and actually not action on it. And that's also really uncomfortable because then you know that you have this dream and you're actually not making making um, any progress on it. So I always encourage people to say, well, there's going to be discomfort for whatever you decide, either to go for it or not go for it, and which, which discomfort. And for me, that's always about the discomfort of going for something and try it and fail and try it again or change it's just part of um, of living your dream life and dream life when i talk about dream life it's never a perfect life it's always the more the bigger dreams the bigger challenges exactly and, yeah and i think that's a, the thing that's been popping up throughout our conversation is that so much of what's often between where we are right now and our dream life is our beliefs mm -hmm. it's a mindset thing and I always say people are always looking for like what's this one big strategy that's going to be like the cure all and it is the mindset stuff whenever we panic that things are not going to work out it's a belief thing yeah. whenever we're impatient that about our success that you know whether we're going to achieve our dreams it's always because we're not believing in it it's yeah. it's all an internal game yeah. and that's why I think the personal development side is so important you know if we're going to invest in anything why would we not start with our minds yeah it's that I always say it's that be do have who do I need to be how do I need to think and then how do I create action from that aligned place yeah. in order to have what I want yeah, yeah. it all starts internally yeah yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people ask me what I, um, how I keep going. And for me, that is definite personal development because we all need motivation sometimes. We all have our ups and downs. And for me, that's why I like Sundays. Today is Sunday and I never really book anything <laughs> on Sundays. But it was so exciting to catch up with you. So I could not 
not do Same. that, of course. But on Sundays is my day for for dreaming and read books and being, you know, do online courses and listen to podcasts and really be inspired. And I, I do that most morning on my holy hour as well. And I just love being inspired, and that's what keeps me going. So we all have to find our ways of of being inspired to to keep going. Of, on and actioning on our dreams I think totally and it's a big part of this concept that I believe in about taking radical responsibility I think we shy away from that because it's like oh my god it's really scary to take full responsibility for what's happening in our lives but yeah everything in our lives from the relationships that we have to our health um, to our businesses how we feel about our work we have a choice yeah we have a choice yeah. and it's scary but at the same time, I feel like, bloody hell, that's the most empowering feeling in the world. So what can I do to make sure that I am feeding myself with and constantly putting seeds into, you know, things that I really want to manifest into my life? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yes, I often talk about um, that in the end of our lives. So I have a chapter in my book, which is called Life is Short, and it's encouraging people to really think about that one day we are going to die. We all we know that for certain, but it's a lot of lot of us don't think about that. And it's often when something happens to us, if we lose a loved one, or if we get sick or crisis or whatever it is, that we kind of stop and change um, the, the way we do things. But I uh, encourage people in in the book to actually think about. If you were to die in three years' time and having the same health you do did you have now, what would you actually do with your life? And that often triggers things connected to your heart versus your head, yes. and also doing things and taking action. Because sometimes I, I feel, me included, that you know life is going to go on forever, which is not the truth. So it's really a good. Um, it's a very challenging because I even get people to count, you know, work out roughly how long they think that they're going to live for <laughs> and how many months that is. And that yeah. is really scary. Yeah. And in terms of, then you just feel like <laughs> someone, someone said yesterday that when she read that, it really got her fired up that yeah. life is going to be short. And, and that is kind of my thing. It's not about, you know, being sad and, you know, because it is a reality. And of course, we never know when our last day is, but to, if we are planning a long life and living healthy and, you know, we can only hope that we will live to one of my dreams is to 120 so <laughs> we'll see <laughs> it's so true it's funny that you say that because I've been thinking about this a lot but more so since I found out that I was having my son is now number one feeling like everything that I'm doing needs to be something that lights me up if it takes me away from my child yeah it's like been a complete shift. Yeah. It's like chasing your joy. Like everything has to be for a reason and have to bring me so much joy in order to take me away. Yeah. And then also thinking about, but yeah, being a living example for exactly what you've just said. Yeah. So totally. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you have a world of knowledge and wisdom on starting your own business, but if you could just give three tips right now to any of your listeners looking to do the same, what would they be? So we've, we've spoken about one already. Another one would be that you don't, it's not all or nothing. Yeah. It's not this like quit my job, 
and then figure it all out once you go. If you can do that and you've got that cash cushion to do that, then by all means, that's not a reality for everybody. I always think, what is a skill that you already have that you can do on the side to facilitate and fund this new passion project that you want to turn into a business? Mm. When I made that transition, I was doing a lot of the, my old services, like I was consulting, I was doing those sorts of things in order to fund my business because I think the quickest way to fall out of love with something that you're trying to turn into a business is to run out of money when you have a mortgage and bills to pay. So think about what are some of the skills that you already have that you can use to really fund this new project so that you're not having to cut corners just to pay the bills. So that would definitely be another one. And seek advice, seek advice. You know, why should you have to learn all of the things that we've all learned the painful way? There are so many incredible resources out there right now. Seek advice, um, try and have as many kind of coffees and dates with people as possible um, to get their insights I found that incredibly important. Even Christina with you, I remember when we were in New York, like you said one thing and I took it so much to heart. It helped me so much. What was that? (laughs) It was about the one thing. It was about the one thing. I remember I was so overwhelmed at the time. I was like, oh, I'm kind of going from pillar to post. And you were like, you need to figure out like what's the one thing that's truly going to move the needle in your business Mm -hmm. and then frame your time around that. Everything else is an addition. And that really helped me in terms of prioritizing. So go meet as many people as you can and be a sponge. Like I said, just taking that one for you, you can't even remember that you probably said that, but I took it to heart and I've implemented that in my business. And it's been, um, it's been so helpful for me. So it's all of those kind of conversations and being able to learn from people that have already done it. That's going to be so invaluable. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I often talk about that too, because I think I have, um, actually when I created my dream week on Fridays, I try to catch up with one. This is before I started started a podcast uh, because now I meet inspiring people much more frequently. But I used to um, ask people for coffees on Fridays just because I was so inspired with so many people. And a lot of them that I meet are much younger than me and, you know, have not been in business as long, but I learned so much from them. And it also gives me uh, a lot of inspiration. So I really encourage people to do that too. And for those of people who don't, maybe don't have the time or, or uh, might feel a bit out of their comfort zone, there's so much to learn from podcasts. Absolutely. There is just no excuse. Definitely. Definitely. The one thing, the one caveat that I would say is that make sure that as you're learning, you're implementing. Yeah. Because because I am a big reader. I'm going through about three books a week. And I was even realizing that I'd be going on to the next thing before I'd actually began to embody the principles that I had already. So it's so easy to just consume. And that's why a lot of people in our community will come to me and be like, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, should I be focusing on Instagram? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing webinars? Should I create an online course? It's like, because they're consuming so much. And then when I say, oh, but you should be doing this, I'll say, oh, but I already know that. And I'm like, but are you seeing the results on that in yeah. your business? Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because you know it in your mind because you've been doing all the courses and the podcast, but you haven't actually taken action on yeah. any of them. So 
definitely consume all of this amazing resources that are out there, but slow down and make sure that you are actioning before you're going on to the next thing. Yeah, it's such good advice because um, I am the same. I read so much, and uh, but also I feel like I, that's kind of one of my pleasures in life is to actually read, but I uh, often um, highlight the books. I always um, read paper books and um, I highlight them and then I go through them and then I try to implement them. And one of my things when I go to conferences, because that's the way, you know, seminars and hear people speak is is how I keep motivated and inspired I always uh, give myself like as long as I I get three things out of this could be two days you know and there will be a million things you can implement but if you if you choose three things and then you implement it then I think it's always worth the time and the cost to do that so such good tips for um, listeners so thank you so much so with all your commitments and work in helping others to live their best life and build their careers how do you manage to stay balanced in your own life and do you believe it's possible to live a balanced life oh gosh the age-old question I am not I think of life more in terms of integration than I do balance. If I was living constantly on the quest for balance, I think I would always feel like I'm falling short. The reality is, especially as a business owner, a a friend, a family member, like you're juggling 101 moving plates at any given time. Um, So I prefer to... I recognize that I have seasons in business. So right now I am in a busy season because I'm preparing before I go off on maternity leave. So I can live with that because I know that this is just a temporary window. So I try to work in these like intentional sprints as opposed to sustained working at that level at a sustained rate. So again, it's like, okay, work is really busy at this point some things have to go yeah what so just thinking about life more as a point of integration rather than feeling like everything has to be at a certain level all the time yeah so that's one of the things just kind of letting that go but also just having really strict non-negotiables and again this changes at every stage that you're in so in the beginning it does require a level of hustle in your business and a level of hours for you to put in to create that momentum. Fortunately, now I'm at a stage where I can be a little bit more disciplined with my time. So I don't work evenings. There's yeah. just It's just not happening. And I don't work weekends. Yeah. And if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Yeah. And, you know, so because of that, I've started building out a team and an infrastructure to be able to support that. So it's those little things and then thinking about what are the things that I need to do for myself that make me feel balanced and allow me to show up as my best self those now become some of my Mm non-negotiables so I think of it more as integration and I'm constantly re-evaluating like am I does this feel good do I still feel like I'm living my best life? Even as a couple, like on our date nights, we will sit down and be like, like, how are you? Like, how are things actually going with you? Are we still on par with how we said that we wanted this year to feel for us? Mm. And it could be sometimes where my partner will say, well, no, I feel like you've been, you're in that kind of busy season. I need you to kind of come <laughs> come back to us. So again, it's not a static thing. It's something that is constantly evolving and subject to change. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love that. When I started a business, 
the thing was that I loved my business so much that, you know, I actually preferred working than actually spending time out and, you know, being, uh, you know, with friends and stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, and now I, uh, you know, and then I realized after a few years that I actually want to spend more time with friends. So then I cut things back and change a few things. So I, I completely get that. And, um, but I think that one of the most important things when you actually do choose a business is to actually um, do something you love. So if you have to work weekends or if you have to um, work evenings then you could definitely um, do that because you love it so much and that's how I've kind of felt like I even loved cleaning up a warehouse in the beginning because <laughs> that was like I couldn't think of anything better on the weekend to go definitely, in and, and definitely. organize. I think as creatives we start businesses because we love it and it's something that we need and we want to give to people I think our biggest challenge is actually the opposite is about exactly as you were saying like creating boundaries and I think that I got to that point a few years into my business where I realized that what does my life look like outside of work who am I showing how am I showing up with the people that I love and that's when I realized that it's not one or the other it's important for our whole identity not to be connected solely to our output through work. Yeah. And it's hard because I start, God, so what's my hobbies? Yeah. And I'm like, actually, personal development books are my hobbies. And I start getting, you know, ideas for my business. It, was, it you know, ends up being this kind of cyclical thing. Um, so it's about trying to find that kind of healthy space between that. Yeah. Because otherwise, something can happen to your business tomorrow. And you you hear these really sad stories of entrepreneurs that have, you know, suffering from mental health issues, depression or whatever, because their business has become their whole identity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice there. Thank you. Something I like to share with readers in my book is that I have found great inspiration from the dreams and experience of others, which we spoke about before. But who would you say inspire you? And if you have any mentors, who? how did you go about finding those relationships? Because I think I get that question all the time. How do you find mentors? But let's start with who inspires you. So my mum definitely inspires me the most. Yeah. She's like a walking, talking example of how I want to show up all the time, especially now going into motherhood. I feel like sometimes when you go into different stages of your life, especially in terms of your relationship with your parents, you're like, ah, I get that now, Yes, you know, and you're like, God, I'm turning into my mum more and more every day. (laughs) So she's definitely it. I have... I'm a big investor in personal development. So I have coaches and mentors and things like that. So they're huge for me. And, you know, I have different mentors according to the season in life that I'm in at any given time. But I want people to remember that we speak a lot about finding mentors and, you know, taking them out for coffee and doing all of that. But some of my biggest mentors before I was in a position to pay to have mentors were the people whose podcasts I listened to, the people whose books I read. I would learn from them just by seeing how they show up in the world, how they treat people, how they conduct their business. So it doesn't always have to be this kind of extravagant thing. I'm I'm asking someone officially to be my mentor and that's it. Absolutely. It's just learning by watching sometimes. Even sometimes going to somebody's event and seeing how they conduct themselves and how they're so gracious with meeting every single person and making everybody feel seen and things like that I really aspire to and I've been able to take little pockets of like advice and things that I want to kind of embody just by watching the people around me yeah 
Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, um, I do really believe that you can learn so much from podcasts and books. And books are not expensive. And I always find it's amazing whatever a book costs, and you can get so much knowledge for such a little amount of money. <laughs> and you just have to invest your time, and then it's up to you to implement it. So That's I, crazy. yeah, I just, I mean, I, I seriously sometimes, I think it's Bill Gates who takes like two weeks off a year just to read so that's on my dream list to do that to just go to like a house in the country somewhere and just read for two weeks that will be my like ultimate um. oh me too me too and you think all the biggest the most successful people in the world are big readers obama would famously read four books a month you know just lots lots of the big leaders they're all you know mark cuban they all spend dedicated time just reading and acquiring knowledge so if people at the top of their game like that and with schedules like that find that a priority then yeah i think warren buffett like reads for four four hours a day or something i love it i love it beautiful so it struck me a couple of years ago and when I was writing the book that few people take time out to dream, to imagine the future they want and then go and chase it. And what a massive positive impact that could have on the world if more people did. I now have a big crazy dream of mine to inspire 101 million people around the world to write down three carefully considered dreams on paper and start chasing them. With that in mind, what three dreams would you write down if you knew anything was possible what comes mm. to mind whatever comes to mind you can change your mind tomorrow okay so I don't know numbers but I want to one of my crazy dreams is for any woman who feels like entrepreneurship is the route that they want to take to be able to be the facilitator for them to take that jump. Mm-hmm. Another dream of mine is f- to be a part in some way of seeing women's step into their financial power. The fact that only 2% of women led businesses hit the million dollar mark in revenue for me blows my mind. It's just oh. only 2% break a million dollars in revenue. It's crazy. And I want to be one of the people that are part of skyrocketing those numbers. Yeah, fantastic. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? First and foremost, be audacious enough to dream. We are so bombarded with, you know, stick to reality. And, you know, this has never been done before. So that's why you can't do it. Be audacious enough to dream. If you can dream, everything that is in existence today was once somebody's dream. Yeah. The things that we take for granted started in people's head. So if you can dream it, you can do it. But we have to give ourselves that time and space to dream yeah. first and foremost. Yeah, love that. I could not agree more being a dreamer myself. So I'd like to finish off by asking a few quick questions that I know our listeners would love to hear you answer. So we're both very big readers and I'm always interested to know, do you have a favorite book? And I know it's going to be really hard. It's going to be like in your future to name your favorite child, which is impossible. But if you could choose a favorite book that had the most impact on you, what would that be? Or be most inspired. It doesn't have to be the most impact. But what is one of your favorite books and why? One of my favorite books was, I always get it mixed up which one it was, but um, it was by Danielle Laporte. It was either the Firestarter Sessions or the 
one of her other ones, I can't remember it right now, yeah. but the whole point of the book was about asking you, how do you want to feel every yeah. day? And it sounds so top line, but it hit me like a ton of bricks because I think we hear think words like success and things like that, but what does, it was the first time where someone had guided me through the process of really questioning what does living my best life actually mean mm. and she has exercises and prompts in the book that oh it's the desire map the desire yeah. map yes. and she has prompts in the book like what does that feel like in the morning when you wake up what does that look like then when you wake up what's the first thing that you do how do you feel at the end of the day like and it gave me so much clarity on what truly matters what the kind of work that I want to be doing, What? how do I want to show up in the world and how that connects, yeah, with really how I want to feel. And I think it's so easy for us to constantly be on this treadmill doing the next thing that we don't have time to kind of self-evaluate. Mm. So as much as I love all the business strategy and all of that kind of stuff, that was the thing that really created the foundation for me to build upon with all of those other things. Mm, love that. Yeah, I love that we're going we're gonna to list them in the show notes. Of, of course, great books, both of those books. I would love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product, and if you do, which one is it? So I love all of the journals. So you know the one where you have dream, do... The, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love those for the exact same reason as the desire map. Is again, it pushes you to carve out that time and be really intentional about that. Even where you're kind of listing all of your goals and your dreams. And when in your day-to-day -day life do you have an opportunity to really think about what those things are? I love them for that. I love, you know, using that as part of kind of my morning ritual as I'm like in dreaming mode, journaling mode. Um, so having those prompts is just really invaluable. So they're my favorite. And in the beginning, I was really precious because I'm like, they're so beautiful. I don't want to write in them and mess them up. But it's so nice even having it all written down and being able to look back at what my dreams were a year ago and seeing how I've been able to tick some of those yeah. things off. Yeah, we hear that all the time. And I always want to remind everyone that, you know, you can't take them with you. So absolutely use it and um, we are creating more and um, yeah, definitely do that. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Talking about morning routines, love to hear if you have a morning routine. I do, I do. So I'm typically, I'm a morning person, but mind you, I'm like in bed by 8.30. So I get up, at, <laughs> I'm, I'm up at about 4.30 and as soon as I wake up, I drink like a big bottle of water I have it already placed at the side of my bed and depending on what time of the year it is part of my morning routine will be getting out and moving and just even if that's going for a walk I would try and listen to something that is inspirational that's going to really kind of get me pumped up in the morning I love free writing in the morning and just kind of vision 
going over again what my goals are, but in really strong detail um, so that they're constantly at the forefront of my mind. I love, you know, diptyque candle is going on. I've got my hot water and lemon. It's like my time to really, again, that be do have, like grounding myself in that. Um, so sometimes it looks like journaling. Other times it looks like visualization and just kind of going over that and seeing that in like technicolor. And that once I've kind of done all of that, I've got ready for the day and I'm back at my desk. I haven't checked social media. I haven't done any of that. I will set out my agenda for the day. But I start by saying to myself again, how do I want to feel today? So what do I need to do in order to to bring that to me? So sometimes I'm like, I want to feel abundant today. So what does that look like? And how can I bring that feeling to my work? And then I start to map out like, what's my one thing? And then we'll start to break down. Okay, these are two or three things that I can do today that are really going to contribute to that one thing. I love it. We have very similar morning routines. (laughs) I love that. Thank you for sharing. So much inspiration for our listeners there. So one last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were around your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? You don't have to have it all figured out. I think I look back at my 15 year old self and you've already mapped out the 2.4 family, the kids, the career, the this, the that. And I think sometimes it makes you so wedded to this path that you've already carved out for yourself that you don't see the magical opportunities that are transpiring in front of you. Be open-minded. One of the things that I love the most in Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, is that she says that your career, and you can apply this to your life, is not a ladder. It's not this linear route. It's a jungle gym. And I think sometimes by not being wedded to the the steps, but having a clear vision of how you want to live allows you to have so much more flexibility about how you get there, right? So yeah, embrace the incredible opportunities that come up. You don't need to have this set in stone path and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, one of the things uh, I spoke to um, Gretchen Rubin on a previous episode, and um, she was she told me that she told her daughters that they don't have to get it all, have it all. You know, very similar to what you just said. And um, there's a really good quote which I repeat often on the podcast, and that is, "You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be, to great. be great." Yeah. So I think that sums up this amazingly inspiring podcast episode so thank you so much and thank you for all that you do to the world and I am I have without doubt I know that you are going to contribute to moving that needle from two percent upwards I'm going to be working hard (laughs) on it it's such a great dream and um, it's always so inspiring to meet with you so uh, I look forward to um, now follow your uh, next step in life which is about having a baby and um And that, in my experience, is one of the most amazing things and will get you even more clearer um, on what is important in life. So thank you so much, first, for taking the time and also for all that you do to the world and for the amazing inspiration that you have given me and the listeners today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, wasn't that just amazing? absolutely love chatting with Naomi and I hope you got as much inspiration out of listening to this episode as I did. I particularly love hearing Naomi's thoughts of the importance of creating space to dream big. I so agree with this. 
and also how important it is to remember to slow down and commit to taking action in order to make positive changes in your life. Like Naomi, I'm a huge believer in taking action and steps towards creating a life you love, which is why you'll find chapters in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, dedicated to helping you break your dreams down into achievable lists of actions you can work through. If you haven't got a copy yet, I encourage you to do so. I truly hope it will help you on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I will love your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. So please help us spread this inspiring message by sharing our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.